What's good? You already know who it is, and if you don't know who it is, it's your man Leon Benson, aka Leon Genesis, aka your mom's favorite personal trainer, aka Let's Get It, aka Let's Work, aka Always Working, aka Beatrice Thompson in the building. What it do? We back at it again, man. This is episode 121, season three of the Passion Purpose Perspective podcast by yours truly. We out here. We working. What it do, man? We, we back. It's Sunday, fun day. It's October 16th, 2022, man. So let's get to work. Last episode, we talked about counting calories and how that can actually be a detriment to your progress in the gym as well as in the kitchen. And then we also talked about from a financial perspective, we went over consolidated income statements. Specifically, we looked at the cost of goods sold. Um, So if you want to go back to episode 120, you can check out all of the details in that episode. Today, we are going to first begin talking about eight signs that you're doing too much cardio. And then uh, for the financial segment of today's uh, show, we're going to talk about income statements again, but we're going to break down selling general and administrative expenses. So, before I get into that, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Now, doing a little bit of my Googles on the web um, because, yeah, man, it's always good to brush up on some of the basics and just on some of the, you know, scientific rules and regulations and just the way that the body works in regards to cardiovascular endurance. And I'm a huge proponent of cardiovascular endurance. I love doing cardio. Um, it's my favorite thing to do now. I used to I used to be really in love with weight training. But after I did the 200 mile challenge from there, I just, yeah, I became obsessive compulsive about running. Um, but the problem I have now is I've been, you know, getting just little aches and pains and things that aren't going away uh, even after like a few days of rest. So with that, of course, I wanted to look at, you know, just some of the detrimental effects of doing too much cardio. And of course, I found an article online that is eight signs you're doing too much cardio. So we're going to talk about that right now. And basically, like I said, I've got some nagging injuries that aren't seeming to go away. So I wanted to tie that into today's episode. Now, I found an episode or I found an article online. It was a, a fitbod.me article by Emily Trin. So it breaks down how much cardio is too much cardio. So clearly too much of anything can become a bad thing, but there are details needed. So... Getting into this article, um, a stat by Physical Fitness Guidelines, the second edition, states that the average, keyword, average adult can benefit from about 150 to 300 minutes 
of moderate intensity physical activity per week. So essentially, you find you find some movements that you can comfortably perform. You work up a good sweat a few times a week, three to four times a week. Um, if you can spare the time, there's 24 hours in a day, which of course you got time. So if you're, if you're training is high intensity, you should only be doing 75 minutes per week as opposed to 150 minutes, uh, or 300 minutes. But, um, yeah, again, if it's, if you're doing high intensity training, you should be doing, uh, 75 minutes per week. That should be your minimum amount. So I'm like, I'm right. I'm, I'm, well, I wouldn't say I'm right there, but I'm definitely over the mark. So I'm damn near. Yeah. I'm like three hours, three hours a week because maybe a little bit more because essentially I'll do like a 30 to 45 minute warm up, uh, which a lot of that consists of doing the assault bike. And then from there, I'll do some weight training. And then after that, I'll go and I'll do a 45 minute run. Sometimes I'll do a 60 minute run. It just depends on how many miles I'm going for. Um, and that that's a lot. That's a lot of mileage on your body. That's a lot of just impact and pressure on your joints, your ligaments, your tendons. Uh, so at some point, you're going to get the law of diminishing returns. You're going to start to to do more harm than good, which is why I wanted to touch on this, um, because, again, I'm definitely experiencing this right now. Um, but again, let's go back to the article. So um, essentially, in regards to training, uh, what, three to four times a week or either 150 to 300 minutes a week and doing just moderate intensity uh, training, uh, the article states that you should be working at about 75% of your maximum heart rate which according to the American Heart Association can be calculated taking the number 220 minus your current age. So for me, I believe it's, um, I'm 33. So 220 minus 33, um, I calculated it, but I don't remember exactly. I think that is 187. So for me, my maximum heart rate when I'm, when I'm doing cardiovascular endurance should be around 187 minutes. Um, excuse me, 180 beats per minute. Jesus. Now, with that being said, basically, like I said, I love cardio. At one point, I was running seven days a week, and it just became way too much. I definitely was overworking my body, overtaxing my immune system. And because of that, like I said, I started getting a lot of injuries. I've dialed it back now um, recently to just three times per week because my, my work schedule has changed recently. So now I run three times a week, but there's a catch. I have three days in a row that I train. I love training. I get so super hyped up and into it. And you know, I like to go hard. I like to, I like to train intense. I like to give 100% of my effort to every single session, every single rep, every single mile. Um, doesn't matter how I'm feeling, but that's the problem. So that being the case, I'm training three times a week, three days in a row. And like I said, I'll do 30, 45 minute warmups and then I'll go into weight training, a little bit of weight training. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do some dynamic stretching, some stabilization work, a little bit of core work. 
And then, of course, my main focus is running. So I'll do, you know, minimum, I might do 45 minutes to an hour run. Sometimes it might be even a little bit longer. But over time, every single week, never missing a week, three times a week, three days in a week, that's a lot of mileage. On top of all of the running that I did over the last two years alone, um, like I said, doing the 200 mile challenge, I did that in eight weeks. That was that was crazy. But from there, I kept going and going and going and going. But yeah, again, you start to see the law of diminishing returns. Your body starts to break down. You're not recovering as much, but mentally you still want to push. You still want to go because, you know, I feel like I'm in the prime of my life in terms of just my my wherewithal of just the different types of fitness principles, just the way to try to like master your body in regards to just, you know, burning calories, losing weight, you know, trying to just maintain muscle as opposed to just completely losing it. Um, just all of the different details that comes with just training consistently over time. But of course, you know, I'm hard headed and I'm stubborn. So I usually just I work myself into the ground sometimes, which is a very terrible habit. So again, I've been suffering, you know, just having lack of sleep and having nagging injuries and Every week, even though I'll have four days that I don't train, I'm still having like knee injuries that aren't going away. Um, they're very persistent, especially when I run, which I love to run. But now I'm like, OK, I have to scale it back because it's too much. Um, so this article to me was perfect. It really it really just it put it all out there for me to see all of the mistakes that I myself am making. So I want to go over this list so that you guys don't make the same mistakes that I'm making in regards to eight signs that you're doing too much cardio. So let's get into number one. So number one, the number one sign that you're doing too much cardio, you're always sore. So again, like you just heard me say, I've had a knee problem as of late. And every single time I begin to run, the injury comes back. The uh, The discomfort is there. The pain is there. Um, I'm not necessarily like grimacing, but I do feel the different, you know, you feel a twinge, you feel an ache, you know, it's, you know, it's not normal. Sometimes my knee will buckle and it's just like, whoa, I'm definitely doing too much. But you don't always listen to, you know, you don't always practice what you preach. And that's something that I'm working on um, every single day, just trying to get better, trying to, you know, take my own advice, basically. But anyway, the number one uh, sign that you're doing too much cardio is that you are always sore. So let's get into some of the details of this. Basically, your body adapts to training, which decreases soreness over time especially if you're doing the same routine, which again, for me, I'm always doing the same routine all the time. Um, So therefore, my body adapts a lot faster. And adaptation is basically just a fancy way of saying your body gets used to doing if you're doing the same type of workout over and over day after day, your body is going to recover a lot faster. And eventually you're not going to get sore. You're not going to have delayed onset muscle soreness. Because you've been doing the same routine for six weeks, eight weeks, you know, four weeks or or, you know, maybe even longer. And I know some trainers and some some, you know, 
experts, whatever you want to call them, some fitness enthusiasts are are proponents of having training blocks and changing out your training blocks. So, for example, you know, and even if you read this in in different types of fitness uh, articles or just fitness publications or, or books that actually teach some of the the rules and, and, and regulations and some of the principles of fitness, they suggest that you have like blocks, training blocks, where you train like four weeks, take a break, and then you change up your training, you decrease your volumes, you have a deload week, or you do like six weeks on and then two weeks off or, you know, eight weeks on, you know, maybe three weeks off, depending on how intense your your training is throughout. And that's just to break up the monotony of training and it's also to confuse your muscles so that they continue to grow, continue to work and that you continue to get better over time. But if you're doing the exact same workout all the time, your body's going to adapt. And because of that adaptation, now you're not getting as sore. So because you're not getting as sore, you're going to start pushing harder. Um, you're going to start going longer. You're going to start maybe lifting heavier if you're lifting weights. Um, in the case of running, you're going to start running way faster or just way more intense. Or you're going to be running for like longer, just a longer amount of miles, a uh, longer duration. Um, and it's just like, yeah, the soreness sometimes is good, but not every single time you train or the next day or the two days after your training session. Being sore um, is not always a good sign. So with that being the case, if you're always sore after every single training session, you are doing too much cardio. You need to take some time off or you need to lower your level of intensity or you need to decrease the amount of weight you're lifting if you're a weightlifter. If you're a runner, you need to decrease the amount of miles that you're doing or you need to add more rest days into uh, your training schedule. Um, or perhaps you need to like do some yoga um, or again, do some dynamic stretching only or just, yeah, completely taking a full rest day. Um, and for me, it's sitting my ass down for a few weeks to rest and fully recover. So getting into number two. So the number two reason why um, or the number two sign that you're doing too much cardio is your joints always hurt. Now, according to the National Academy of Sports Medicine, joints are formed by one bone that articulates with another bone. Simply put, part of the body where two or more bones meet to, to allow movement. That's basically what that is. Um, and again, number two is your joints always hurt. That's a, that's a sign that you're doing too much cardio. Um, running and jumping create a lot of impact on your joints. So if you have persistent pain and discomfort in your knees and your ankles and your elbows or your hips, um, these are also other signs of doing too much cardio. Um, so again, if your joints are always hurting, you need to take rest, have some rest days, um, maybe visit your doctor to see if it's a severe injury. Pushing through the pain like I've done in the past is the dumbest thing that you can possibly do. If you feel some aches and pains or some twinges, you know, um, you need to sit your ass down. Take a break. Like, chill. It's not that deep. It ain't that serious. So, yeah, again, if your joints are hurting you, it's time to take a break. You're doing too much cardio. Number three, so the number three sign that you're doing too much cardio, your easy days are becoming hard. 
So this one is pretty much self-explanatory, but basically a light training session should not be painful or extremely taxing on your body. And if it is, if your easy days are becoming more challenging, go rest, go take a nap, go sleep, like chill. I'm, you feel me? Like, don't push it to that. Don't push it past that limit. You're already sore. You're already injured. Maybe your joints are already hurting. Like, maybe you're not fully recovering. Again, if your easy training days are difficult, you're probably doing too much cardio. Now, getting into the number four sign, the fourth sign that you're doing too much cardio, you don't want to work out anymore, aka you're not motivated. So if you're not motivated to train, you're not going to make progress. You're not going to get better. Um, You're not going to hit your goals, whatever your goals are that you're trying to hit uh, from a fitness perspective, from a nutritional perspective. Um, So with that being the case, once again, go read, take a day trip, go make love. You could write, you could sleep, you could play video games, you could go shopping, you could meditate, go do something else. Like, don't just stay in that rut or don't just stay defeated or unmotivated. If you don't feel like working out that day because you're just so like, you know, in like you're just so caught up in the idea of just constantly pounding on your body, especially in regards to cardio. If it's if it's if it's like if it's killing your motivation to to continue to train, you're doing too much cardio and you need to take a break. So go take a break. Now, sign number five that you're doing too much cardio. You're not sleeping well at night. So with this, exercise causes your body temperature to rise, but we get better sleep as our body temperature drops. Um, And I know for me, when I sleep, I love to have the fan on, which, of course, that wind blowing on my body, it's going to drop my temperature a little bit more, hopefully, as I decompress at the end of the day, ergo getting a more restful sleep. But anyway, if you're if you're doing too much cardio, that's not going to be that's not going to be effective. It's not going to work. You can have all the fans on in the world. You know, you could try to wait for your body's uh, natural temperature to drop, but it's not going to happen if you're doing too much cardio. Um, so one of the issues is working out too close to your bedtime will actually cause insomnia. The body being under stress also will raise your cortisol levels or just activate your stress hormone, which that's what the cortisol cortisol is. Cortisol is released throughout the day, but it can cause your body to fall out of, out of its natural circadian rhythm, preventing REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep or just restful sleep. So again, if you're not sleeping well at night, that might be another sign that you're doing too much cardio. So chill out, take a break, go do something else. Now, getting into number six, the sixth sign that you're doing too much cardio, you're constantly feeling drained of energy. So lack of energy can be a side effect of fatigue and fatigue can lead to a lack of focus, which could which will yield insufficient results in the gym. And it also could lead to injuries because of your lack of focus, Um, again, because you're constantly feeling drained of energy. So once again, take a break, sleep, meditate, go, go, I would say go for a walk, but that's exercise. So, you know, just go watch a movie, you know, go make some music. If you're a musician, 
uh, something. Hang out with your kids. If you got kids, like hang out with your girl or your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your side piece, whoever, like, you know what I'm saying? Just get out of that, get out of that rut. If you're drained, go rest and recover, like revive yourself. Um, you could take an ice bath. You can get in a sauna. You could do massage therapy, you know, heat, some type of heat therapy, some type of ice, ice therapy, crypto, uh, what is it? Not, not cryptotherapy. Jesus. Uh, cryo, cryotherapy. You know what I'm saying like, there's so many other things you can do. Um, but yeah, man, if you're constantly like exhausted, it's just not worth you pushing yourself past that limit. And it's obviously a sign that you're doing too much cardio. So number seven, the seventh reason or the seventh sign that you're doing too much cardio, you're getting sick more often. So Going back to sign number five, cortisol. We talked about cortisol uh, in the fifth sign of doing too much cardio um, because of the lack of sleep and and the fact that um, when you exercise, it increases your cortisol levels, which basically it's a stress hormone and it reacts to it reacts when your body is under stress. It's a mechanism. So that comes out when you're, you know, jumping, running, uh, lifting, shifting, all of that. Um, and because of that, you know, if you're if your cortisol levels are constantly elevated, it's actually going to do more harm than good. So, again, cortisol is a stress hormone. It is released from your body during bouts of intense exercise or in response to exercise. However, too much cortisol can suppress your immune system. Again, go sit your ass down somewhere and rest for two, maybe three, maybe four weeks. You know, like who knows? It just, it depends on you. Obviously it depends on your level of fitness. It depends on your, your, uh, basal meta, uh, yeah, your basal metabolic rate, it depends on your BMI, it depends on your genetics, it depends on just your fitness level, your supplementation, your sleeping patterns. It depends on so many different things, but it's just like, man, if you want to, you know, if you want to have a uh, if you want to continue to have a a strong immune system, you might want to dial back on your cardio, especially if again, you're dealing with sign number 7, getting sick more often. Um, if you're not a person that gets sick all the time and now all of a sudden, you know, you're having like colds and fevers or you're getting a bunch of headaches or whatever the case may be, or just achy, you're probably doing too much cardio. So yo, go chill, go relax somewhere, man. Like take a break. Now getting into the last one, number eight, the eighth sign that you're doing too much cardio, you're losing muscle and not fat. So too much cardio might cause your body to begin breaking down muscle. Muscle allows you to burn more calories, even at rest. But cardio breaking down muscle means an inability to keep burning calories steady, assuming um, assuming that you lose muscle and, and start to get like stringy. Also, Lack of lean muscle tissue slows down the fat burning process. So with that being the case, maybe try minimizing the duration of cardio you do per session. If you're doing 60 minutes, drop it down to 30 minutes. Or you could do three days a week of cardio instead of five days or six days. 
Um, and in the case of myself, if, if I'm doing three days of cardio a week, that means I need to drive it down to one day or maybe just two days. But I need to also focus on a lot of rest and recovery throughout the rest of the week so that I'm actually getting the benefits of, of decelerating or decreasing the amount of cardio that I'm doing um, so that I don't get any of these negative signs um, from doing too much cardio. And again, this all depends on your goals. It depends on your routine. It depends on the purpose of your training program. It depends on your body mass index, your uh, basal metabolic rate, and it also depends on your time horizon. So it's up to you to really gauge where you are on this list, what things you have experienced, and coming up with um, a legitimate game plan in order to be able to rest and recoup and recover so that you can continue to move forward and continue to make progress in the gym. Um, because yeah, we want to train hard, but we also want to train smart as well. And again, these are things that have affected me severely, you know, or even over the last year, because again, I'm just a jackass sometimes and I'll just keep pushing my body to the limit. But now it's like, I'm dealing with an injury that has not gone away. I've taken five days off. I still have the injury as soon as I start running again. So it's like, hey, dumbass, go do something else. Stop running so that your body can rest and recover. So yeah, now I'm I'm taking naps during the do- during the day. Like when I wake up, usually I wake up super duper early. Well, not super early, but like maybe 6.30 because it's just a natural habit of mine. But now I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll be up for like an hour or two, but then I end up falling back asleep for like another two hours or something like that. That for me is my version of a nap because I'm, you know, it's harder for me to just go and lay down just for the hell of it. Because again, I'm always trying to work on ideas. I'm always thinking about different things. I'm always trying to like get to the next level, just become a much better individual, um, especially from an intellectual perspective. Um, But yeah, man. So I just want to quickly go back over the list. So again, Today, we talked about, in in regards to fitness, eight signs that you're doing too much cardio. So number one, you're always sore. Number two, your joints hurt. Number three, your easy days become hard days. Number four, you don't want to work out anymore. Number five, you're not sleeping well at night. Number six, you're constantly feeling drained of energy. Number seven, you're getting stuck uh, oh, excuse me. You're getting sick more often. Number eight, you're losing muscle and not fat. So those are the eight signs that you're doing way too much cardio. Um, so of course go sit your ass down somewhere. Um, and then, yeah, just sit your ass down until you recover, find other things to do. There are plenty of other things that you can do. You can read, you can write, you can study, you can go, go on a trip, go on vacation, you can go shopping, uh, you can, you know, watch a movie or something. Um, I don't know, you can do other things. And let your body rest, let your body recover, let your body recuperate, man. Um, So that you can continue to make progress in the gym. So with all of that being the case, hopefully you enjoyed this portion of today's episode. Make sure you download, rate, comment and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Now, getting into the finance portion of today's episode, we are going to continue to talk about consolidated statements of income, aka income statements, in regards to trying to study companies in your investment portfolio um, just to get a feel for the value of the businesses that you own. 
So a way to be able to study the companies that you own inside of your portfolio, inside of your stock portfolio is by looking at 10K reports or annual reports. And inside of those annual reports are income statements. And in those income statements, there's a lot of facts and figures, different numbers um, that have uh, a tabulation or just a total of what the businesses are doing with all of the money that it gets from customers, gets from different vendors, um, or that it borrows uh, from different lenders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we're going to get into that. But before we do, I want to give a brief market update. Um, so the S&P 500 at the close this past Friday was 3,583.07 points or 25.64% off of the January 4th 52-week highs of 48.1862. So basically, all of that says is the 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 main market that that a lot of professional people follow and a lot of amateur retail investors follow to track their progress. The main index, the S&P 500, is down over 25.5% for the year. So the bear market continues to do damage across many portfolios and across many businesses and sectors. We are definitely experiencing lower lows, which could be beneficial depending on who you ask. Because honestly, from a psychological perspective, there is a lot of newer investors that they can't take this. They can't deal with this. They don't understand what's happening because they haven't done their due diligence. They haven't done their homework and they don't like it. So they might be selling at a loss or just completely getting out of stocks altogether, which is a very, very, very dumb idea. Um, but again, it depends on so many different things uh, when it comes to you know managing your investment portfolio. It depends on your time horizon. It depends on your risk tolerance. It depends on where you are in life. Are you closer to retirement or are you in the prime of your working years? Do you have a side hustle that makes makes you extra income or do you just have one job like um and then it also depends on your strategy. Are you buying hold? Um are you into options trading? Do you buy calls and puts and straddles and strangles? You know, um do you do a little bit of both? Um are you a passive uh investor? Are you aggressive? Are you moderate? Are you active? You know what I mean? So yeah, all of this stuff depends on so many different things. But that's beside the point. So um, I want to kind of get into just a few things that I found um, throughout uh, the week that I that I thought were interesting and might be beneficial to individuals to know just as far as like the current landscape. So again, the market uh, as far as the S&P 500, which tracks 500 of the the large cap big successful american companies that index is down over 25 and a half percent for the year so that being said um i found a piece or i didn't find it but it just was it's a part of of the information that i get when i'm tracking my own portfolio progress throughout the year so a piece that was written by david barbusha and lewis Kroshkoff of rudders stated that Global financial conditions, which reflect the availability of funding, touched their tightest levels since 2009. In late September, an index compiled by Goldman Sachs showed lifted by surging interest rates, falling equities, a.k.a. stocks, and a surging dollar. 
Um, so another thing was food prices and rent continue to increase as well on the consumer side. So things are getting, it's getting nasty out here. Financial conditions are continuing to tighten because as some of you guys may know, the Federal Reserve is engaged in QT, aka quantitative tighten, tightening. They are taking money uh, out of the, out of the uh, system. They're taking liquidity out of the system. And because of that, another thing that they're doing is they're raising interest rates. And when you raise interest rates, it increases the cost of, uh, of borrowing money, it increases the cost of money. So if you're borrowing money and interest rates increase, you're going to pay a higher percentage in interest because the Federal Reserve raised the Fed funds rate. Um, now, getting back to my notes, something that really stuck out to me was an article by uh, Saeed Azar, Nor Nuar Hussein, and Nikit Nishant. These names is crazy. And this was an, a Rudder's article. And basically, some of it stated that big banks are preparing for a weaker economy to be more specific i'm quoting here banks set aside more money in preparation for a hit from a potential economic slowdown jp morgan set aside 808 million dollars in reserves city added 370 million dollars to their reserves and Wells Fargo had a $385 million increase in the allowance for credit losses. Unquote or end quote. So with that being the case, this may or may not be an obvious clue as to what to do as, as, as an investor, as a retail investor, or even as an institutional investor. So basically, I pose you this question. If J.P. Morgan Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, if Citibank, and if Wells Fargo are putting cash to the side, $808 million, $370 million, and $385 million, if they're putting that much money to the side in case of an economic slowdown, what do you think that you and I should be doing as retail investors? Um, something that you might hear in, in, in financial news and financial markets and financial commentary is following the money. Where the money flows, that's where the energy should go. So you need to be looking at the institutional investors, the big wigs, the big banks, um, the people who really move markets and generate momentum and price action. Whatever they're doing with their money on a smaller scale, you probably could be looking at that and taking that as a clue as to where we might be going um, in terms of the liquidity cycle, in terms of just economic conditions as of late and, and what may or may not happen in the future. Of course, none of us know what the hell is going to happen. We all like to guess and make predictions and projections, but you can't, you can't predict the future. You just can't. The only thing that we have is backwards looking data. So we can look at the we can look at historical data and we can say what what did what did all of the financial analysts do? What did the retail investors do? What did the institutional money do? How did they respond? Okay, we probably have to do that because we can see that that those are similar things that are happening now. But then what happens when there are new dynamics added into into the formula? What happens when they throw a new monkey wrench in, in you know into the toolkit, then what do you do? 
you know? So yeah, there are some things that are, you know, quote unquote, unprecedented. But then there are other things that are just typical of human behavior. Because again, even when you look at algorithmic trading or high frequency trading, guess what? Those things, and I know I'm not too deep into high frequency trading or how it works exactly, but human beings do program those things to do certain things. And and because of that, it's based off of what human expectations are for future, you know, unknown future outcomes, as well as what has already happened in the past, even though those things are already priced in. But anyway, I say all of that to, to simply say, you know, if big banks are setting aside hundreds of millions of dollars just in case the economy collapses, what do you think you should you 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 can take from that? You take from it what you want, but what do you think what does that tell you about where we're going from an economic perspective? It's not looking pretty out here. It's looking nasty, it's looking crazy. You feel me? Um it's looking like we ducking under the tables. So yeah, that that is the update on that. Now, I quickly want to get into this cuz I don't have a lot of time left. So, that being the case, you can take from that what you want um or you could just focus on what we're about to get into right now, which is consolidated income statements. Specifically, um talking about um selling general and administrative expenses. So, uh in the last 2 weeks, episode 120 we talked about the cost of goods sold. Episode 100 and I believe 119, we talked about net sales in a consolidated statement of income, which you can find in an annual report or a 10K report of a stock that you own. Now, why are we looking at these things? These things help you to be able to try to figure out what the value is of the businesses that you own inside of your stock portfolio to see whether these investments are good or bad, um, whether you should buy them or whether you should hold them or whether you should sell them immediately or whatever. Because when, again, when you're buying, I've said this in previous episodes, when you're buying stocks, you are buying pieces, fractional pieces of publicly traded businesses. So you need to think of yourself as a business owner because when you buy stock in a publicly traded company, you automatically become a business owner. So that's why we're looking at these things. Now, today we're going to talk about in the income statement, you want to look at selling general and administrative expenses. Now, what the hell is this? This encapsulates or this is salespeople's and sales managers' salaries, commissions, and bonuses, as well as the cost of sales offices. Now, there are general office needs. And in the general office needs, there are salaries, there's supplies that you buy for the office, there's machinery, there's accounting software, um, as well as security equipment, and then any other operating expenses. Now, in some cases, you'll see the numbers here increase as net sales increase. So essentially scaling up your business over time may cause a need for newer equipment or maybe some employees get promoted and they require pay raises. 
Another thing might be if a company is updating their payroll software or buying new office furniture, this can also lead to increased cost as well as maybe utility bills, light bills, water bills, um, uh, increasing for, for, you know, office lights or vending machines. Um, another thing is restocking supplies, buying new printers, etc. These costs may increase over time. And if they're constantly increasing, you might want to look deeper into why selling general and administrative expenses are continuing to increase over time. That might not be a good sign if revenues are not outpacing that cost. You want selling general and administrative expenses to become a smaller percentage of 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 net sales or of net revenue over time, because with that, you're going to have more cash that the company can retain and reinvest back into the business in order for the business to continue to grow, depending on where the business is. Maybe it might be a growth company. Maybe it might be, you know, just right in the middle of its of its prime or it could be a very mature company that has already done most of its growing so it really does depend on a lot of different variables and factors another thing that companies will also include in their selling general and administrative expenses line item in their consolidated statement of income is litigation related cost so some of these details will actually be further explained in the footnotes of a company's annual report. And the footnotes is basically just like the small print that you would read in a 10K report, basically breaking down, you know, mergers and acquisitions or, you know, just when companies buy or sell pieces of other companies or they, they'll buy like a controlling interest in another company. Um, or they'll also break down like, hey, we had to deal with these type of lawsuits um, or these type of like copyright infringement or trademark, you know, issues, whatever the case may be. But yeah, litigation issues will also, and costs will also be included in selling general and administrative expenses. So this might be a reason why the selling general and administrative expenses may increase over time, which again, it's something that you want to look out for in a consolidated in a consolidated statement of income. Um, because like I said, you want that number to be a smaller percentage of net revenue over time. Because again, the leftover capital could be reinvested into research and development, or it could just be retained earnings that the company um, can just add to their balance sheet and keep in their keep in their accounts just in case something comes up, um, just in case of you know unexpected expenses in the future. But um, yeah, that is also something that I look at. Because it's always concerning if that number is continuing to inflate or increase over time. Because again, you want to get to a point where um, obviously you want revenues to continue to increase over time. You want the debt levels to continue to decrease or you don't want there to be any debt at all. And then you also want retained earnings to increase over time. You also want to look at just different things like return on invested capital. So when a business brings in money and they reinvest that money, how 
how much are they earning on every dollar that they're that they're reinvesting? You know, so those are so basically all of that is just a more complicated way of saying you want to buy stock in businesses that have the ability to keep their cost low and to keep their revenues increasing over time. But again, when you do look at the income statements, some of that, uh, some of the net sales or the gross sales also includes cost or capital expenditures, aka money going out of the business. So yeah, you want the capex or you want the 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 cost that the business uh, has that it, that becomes an expense, money that goes out. You want that to to minimize or lower over the course of time. Of course, this is going to depend on so many different factors. Um, but yeah, once again, looking at a 10K annual report, looking at an income statement, you want to look at the net sales. You also want to look at the cost of goods sold. But then the next thing is selling general and administrative expenses, which again, it's going to be salaries, bonuses, commissions, it's going to be office supplies, it's going to be office buildings, it's going to be security equipment, it's going to be accounting software, payroll software, um, buying furniture, etc., microwaves, refrigerators, um, restocking supplies, all of those things are going to be in the selling general and administrative expenses section of a income statement on an annual report. So that might be something important to look at if you are somebody who is into digging through all of the financials of businesses that you own in your stock portfolio. All it's going to do is give you a backwards looking picture of what the company has done with all of the capital that has come in from the beginning of time and then also from the previous year if it's an annual report um if it's an 8k it's going to give you the last quarter but yeah essentially we try to focus on the annual report because it gives us a lot more data you get to look at the last year and then you get to look at the previous two years before that so once again selling general and administrative expenses it's going to be salaries that you pay your employees, commissions, bonuses. It's going to be how much you spend on supplies and machinery, accounting software, um, security alarms, security systems, and other operating expenses. And then sometimes companies will also add into that uh, cost that they spend on their legal issues or litigation issues. Um, so it might be lawsuits, you know. For various different types of reasons, but those things are also included in the footnotes of of an annual report to break down the details of the selling general and administrative expenses. So those are some things that I look at. You can do whatever the hell you want. Um, with that being the case, I know the disclaimer is coming at the end, but hey, it is what it is. Do your own Googles. Consult with your own doctors in regards to fitness, consult with your own financial advisors in regards to the finance portion of this episode. And yeah, man, hopefully you got something very useful out of today's episode. Um, I know it was a lot of information, but hey, it's it's needed. I wish I had these type of, you know, just 
outlets and, and things to be able to listen to or study when I was, you know, looking at just trying to get into business or just trying to look at and understand the way that the world works in general. But hey, here we are now doing it. So I guess it all worked out, right? Um, anyway, if you found this episode useful or entertaining um, or insightful or funny, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Um, definitely appreciate the few little bit bit of listeners that I've gotten so far. Um, we're definitely growing every single week. And like I said, man, we got more episodes coming. So we definitely will see you guys back here uh, next Sunday. Um, same place. I'm not going to say same time, but definitely the same place. You feel me? Next Sunday. Tune in to episode 122, where we continue to break it all down, man. Health and wealth, man, because, hey, you can't have wealth without health, you feel me? So with that being said, you already know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. I'm out.